Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Draw Control Podcast. On today's podcast, I'm joined by a recent graduate of the U Albany Women's Lacrosse team, Madison Jones. Madison is an American Youth Champion. She was also a 2018 U20 European Championship midfielder of the tournament uh, for Wales and was a two-time Wales U19 lacrosse match MVP at the 2019 World Championships. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Madison, and how's everything going? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, it's going good. Um, Just graduated, obviously, so just been kind of enjoying the summer, uh, seeing a few teammates, doing job applications, all of that fun stuff, Um, having the identity crisis that comes with finishing lacrosse and yeah, just kind of looking to kickstart the career now. So yeah, it's been pretty good. You sort of answered my first question, but what have you been up to since uh, graduating college? I'm assuming all that stuff, right? Yeah, just, yeah, doing job applications, visiting teammates while I can, while I'm still over here. Um, yeah, just enjoying enjoying this U.S. weather. Honestly, <laughs> we, we don't get nice summers like this in the U.K., so it's been really nice to enjoy some of the sun for once. And this is a bad summer, at least up here in the north. I feel like uh, it's been raining, hazy, or humid all summer. We haven't had too many nice days, so it must be even worse out um, in Europe, <laughs> where you're from, if that's the case. Yeah, it honestly rains probably, I'd say, like 90% of the days in the year. So um, this is still an improvement. Now, do you still plan on being involved with lacrosse in the future, or are you officially retired? Um, it's a tricky one. It, it obviously depends on a lot of different factors, kind of where I end up. If um, if I end up going home after the next year or so he, from here, um, I think I'd really love to get back involved in Wales across because um, the coaches have reached out to me there. Um, if I end up kind of staying around in the area, I think I'd probably end up, I'd probably end up playing. Honestly, I can't see my life without lacrosse, but it would definitely be more of like, the leisure and fun side rather than for for competition. But um, I don't know, it, even if I wasn't involved playing wise, I, I can't really see my life without lacrosse. It's been a big part of my life for nearly 10 years now. So I'd probably just stay involved somehow, whether it be coaching or kind of just networking and setting up connections. I really think that like growing lacrosse in back home where in Wales, where I'm from is a big part of what I want to do in the future as well. So I definitely see myself being involved with it, but obviously the extent to which my involvement uh, Mm -hmm. in like expands, I guess um, it would really depend on kind of where I am, what my job is, my hours, kind of what I have time, but definitely some shape or another, I'm sure it'll stick with me. I've definitely got the bug still. So I can't see myself getting rid of it just yet. Well, that's good to hear. I'm ha- glad to hear the door still open and you still playing lacrosse. That, that's very good. And obviously, I feel like it's important to grow it, not just here in the U.S., but in other places in the world as well. And that sort of leads me to want to transition and talk about the beginning of your career and sort of work um, all the way up to where you are today. So uh, like you sort of uh, hinted at, uh, you're from Mountain Ash, Wales. Uh, talk about growing up there and how did you start playing lacrosse? So probably a very different story to a lot of other athletes you talk to. I mean, lacrosse is so small back home. So um, I went to school and it was I the school I went to happened to be one of two schools in all of Wales that played lacrosse at the time. Um, So it was us and Howells who are more centered towards Cardiff, which is the capital of Wales. 
Um, and I didn't kind of pick it up at a young age, like a lot of people over here, because honestly, I hadn't really heard of it until I was probably about 11 um, when my sister started playing it. So that was a big factor for me. I was kind of at that age where I idealized everything my older sister did. So she picked up lacrosse and I just thought, oh, this is the coolest thing ever. I have to be like my sister. So um, really probably like 13 going on 14 was when I really picked it up. Um, and a lot of that as well was to do with um, my friendship group, kind of all of us. It, it's so embarrassing saying it to the girls over here, but all of us were really involved, it, not involved, but we loved the Teen Wolf show <laughs> and they obviously play lacrosse in that. And so we just thought it was the coolest, most American thing. So we were all like, right, let's give it a go, I guess. And I uh, picked it up and I loved it. And I guess it's just what, all of my friends since who I've met through lacrosse, uh, definitely in the UK, not so much over here, we kind of just refer to it as the bug. You kind of start it and you just can't stop. It's got such a weird, weird grip on me, I guess. I started it and just haven't looked back. Um, so yeah, I played um, at school was when I really first started. I was, as I said, I was like that age group. I'm not sure on the grade because we have different grades to years over there, but um like kind of age 14 ish was when i first properly picked it up um and kind of after that got into the whale system because um it's kind of the hub of wales across was at the time was where i went to school all of the wales across trainings were there um so tryouts were also on campus i was a i boarded at the school so i kind of lived there so my coach was always like, yeah, you should just go down and join in. I was like, I'm not sure that's how it works, but obviously I went anyway. So um, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. Cause a lot of people do ask me that question as well, because not many people have heard of people from the UK playing lacrosse. So it's understandable cause it's so small over there. Um, so that's kind of how it started, I guess, a mixture of kind of influence from friends. And my older sister was the biggest influence for that one. I'm assuming you didn't really watch too much lacrosse growing up. Uh, to be honest, the only thing about sport it, sports in Wales is Gareth Bale. I'm assuming that's what <laughs> everyone tells you, but I'm just curious if there was any lacrosse that you watched growing up. No. So, I mean, the sports, so I want to go into the sports broadcasting sector and I kind of want to stay on this side of the pond for my first job or two, because the opportunities here for sports broadcasting is just on a crazy level in comparison. So at home, really, you've got like three broadcasting, maybe four nowadays, broadcasting companies that kind of have a monopoly on the whole industry. You don't really have all of the different smaller local news. You've got the national news, you've got the BBC news. So you've got kind of BBC, ITV, now Prime's kind of up and coming in the UK. and. Um, so those kind of ones have a bit of a monopoly on the sector, I guess. And so it's really only the major sports that get broadcast over here. You've got kind of like all of the major leagues will be broadcast. Then you've got the minor leagues, then some independent leagues are broadcast and then college sports are broadcast and high schools broadcast. But really over in the UK, it's only kind of the real major leagues like Premier League and then international games as well. So when Wales play England in the rugby, but other than that, not a lot of sports are broadcast whatsoever. So when I did start to get into lacrosse massively after coming over here on tour, that was when I kind of first started watching 
uh, lacrosse, but like stateside lacrosse, obviously. But that was super difficult. Like it was an entire task just trying to figure out how to watch it because you have to have an ESPN subscription. But then the ESPN subscription is different when you're in the UK versus the US. So me and all of my friends were working out getting like VPNs to try and switch our location to the US on our computers so that then we could pay for a subscription and then watch lacrosse that way. But really, there's not a lot broadcast whatsoever, um, even kind of international games over in the UK. I think the 2017 World Cup, which was held, the Women's World Cup, which was held in uh, Surrey, which is in England, was kind of one of the first times that it gained kind of national coverage. And even then, it wasn't kind of coverage of whole games. It was sort of just shout outs to the England team here and there um, on the news. And um, I think they might have broadcast the gold medal game between the uh, the bronze medal game between England and Australia, because obviously we have a vested interest in that if England were in the bronze medal match. But other than that, it's really limited over there. So kind of watching lacrosse was much more in person at these tournaments I was going to and kind of getting inspiration from them. Um, so a lot of the time, like with the 2017 World Cup, um, you have adjacent tournaments, I guess, um, for younger teams. So while I was in that younger junior Wales setup, we would enter the adjacent tournaments. So I went to Surrey in 2017. Um, and so we got to play our own tournaments, but then we were also there at the same time when all of these amazing games are going on with literally celebrities in our eyes. So that was awesome. So I think one of the, the major influences from watching Wales was uh, Laura Warren. So she's kind of like a superstar of Wales lacrosse. She was the first Welsh female athlete to get a full scholarship to come over to Maryland. Um, and she actually roomed with Acacia Walker-Weinstein, which was so cool. Um, and she played at Maryland. They won their conference and I'm pretty sure they won the States while she was there. So, so coming back, then she was a major part of the Wales setup. So whenever I went along to, to watch those Wales games, Laura Warren was definitely someone I looked up to. Um, but kind of, as I said, we, we managed to find ways around it later on. Um, so after coming over in 20, April 2017, I think it was. So it was my junior year of high school. We came, the school came over on a lacrosse tour to the US. And that was really when I got into kind of the US college side of things. Um, and we started figuring out ways to watch it. So I fell in love with uh, BC. And at the time they had kind of the triple threat of Sam Apuzo, Dempsey Arsenal and Kenzie Kent. So they were all, I was obsessed with those three. Um, loved the way that all of them played and so those were kind of the big influences growing up in terms of watching. So, yeah. Well, before college, you played for your high school lacrosse team, and I apologize if I butcher it. Um, Haber Dashers, Monomouth School for Girls, uh, where you had some success there. Um, talk about your experience there and what you took away from it and, like, what's the best memory you have and how did it sort of help prepare you for um, you, when you went to university in England? Yeah, so do you want me to say it? Yeah, you could say, I'm sorry, I probably butchered it. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, Haberdash's mom was school for girls. So right. we just called it Habs, honestly. And they've changed again since I was there. So now it's just mom was school for girls. So, um, but yeah, that was an amazing time. It was, it was 
obviously weird like I said we were one of the one of two schools at the time to play lacrosse in Wales so whenever we were playing lacrosse it was kind of 12 hour games to play one tournament or sorry 12 hour days to play one tournament or one game because we'd have to travel miles and miles to go play in opposition because there wasn't really anyone close by that we could play consistently um so but i i learned a lot obviously saying that wales across was kind of the hub that habs was kind of the hub for wales across at the time as well so it really set me up to go through that kind of pathway and i think without that i wouldn't have ended up at, at albany at all um but definitely set me up well for university in the uk um i went to the university of bath um which is in england but um kind of getting that experience playing lacrosse in a smaller atmosphere kind of helped then transitioning to bath where it was a lot a lot of girls from england who had played a lot more local teams or kind of had a different experience of lacrosse growing up but um i definitely had to work a lot individually to kind of change the style of play um just kind of looking at the way that the us plays i think we refer to it i'm not sure how if it's correct over here but we we refer to it as very like old school lacrosse so um kind of towards the end of my time in school i realized that definitely a lot of the style of play that we were playing in the uk was needed to be adapted like watching college lacrosse was definitely one of the big things that pointed that out for me so the old school lacrosse that we refer to is kind of like the cradling is super upright and you don't really move your hands on your up and down your stick very much at all um so it was kind of adapting that so that i could actually play from the triple threat position and have more of an open cradle and be able to kind of be more of a threat whilst i was dodging to also feed or also make a pass um or take a shot um was definitely something that i had to adapt towards the end of that but um yeah it was a really unique opportunity being where i was from and just getting that opportunity to start playing lacrosse um was amazing and one of the the coach that kind of took me through most of my school career was um actually a player for wales herself and was still involved in the welsh setup um so definitely was a really great way of preparing me to go on to bath so now you also played soccer and field hockey in high school as well Uh, what was it like playing those other sports and how do you think it helped you in lacrosse um i think yeah i i basically played everything in school i was one of those kids that just kind of couldn't not be on the move so i i basically played all sports that i could until the schedule kind of conflicted and I had to kind of hone in a little bit more. And so soccer and field hockey were definitely still up there towards the end of my high school career. I think in terms of soccer, there's, I mean, all different sports, I feel like there's so much positive, um, positive like feedback that you can get that then transfers over to lacrosse. But I think specifically with soccer, it was kind of the speed and agility that came from that really came into play later on in the lacrosse. Um, and then for field hockey, I think it was it was definitely the IQ um, and kind of the tactics that come alongside it. Uh, in the UK, we 
obviously lacrosse isn't very well known and a lot of the times when people ask what it is people refer to it as kind of hockey in the air so it kind of shows how how similar people think that those two sports are so i think that that definitely helped me develop um different kind of view of the game and tactics and bring that into lacrosse later down the line now, something else i found interesting about yourself in high school was you were a percussionist in an orchestra uh, do you still play and what's it, what was it like doing that? Um, so I played the drums throughout school. Um, and so I kind of got dragged into doing a little bit of percussion for the orchestra when, as and when they needed it as well. So um, it was mainly kind of the drum set, but I also played like the timp drums and the cymbals and stuff like that. Um, and my drum teacher at the time was awesome. So kind of just kind of fed into my enthusiasm that he saw towards that. So we we took some drum lessons where we just focus completely on drums and then um, other lessons, we'd kind of just take a random instrument and just roll with it. So I remember loving the xylophone, just random stuff like that. But um, I don't really keep up with like percussion as such anymore. I still love the drums. Um, I miss my drum. I have a drum set at home in the UK, so I miss that. But um, I definitely, definitely going to keep playing the drums. I think that's good. I also played the drums in high school as well. Uh, oh, snare nice. drum, and I did the drum set as well. So that was always a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed that a lot. So um, I just had to ask because <laughs> one drummer to another, it's, it's something I like talking about. So yeah. Now you initially, like you said, played for the University of Bath in the United Kingdom for three years uh, before heading off to the U.S. Uh, mm -hmm. What was that experience like for you playing um, over at the UK? Um, yeah, I I loved my time in the UK. I It's definitely a very different experience to anything that people experience here. So, um, I mean, typically degrees in the UK are only three years, um, which is why I completed it in three years. The university I went to, you usually take a placement in the third year um so you do your freshman sophomore and then you do a year in industry and then you come back for your senior year so that kind of makes it extremely difficult on the lacrosse team as such because it's so difficult to explain because it is so different to here but it, it would basically be playing like club sport over here so there's not so much there's not really recruiting you don't go to a specific school to play sport you go to the school for the degree and then you happen to go along to sport trials and see if you get picked for the team um so you don't really have guaranteed numbers as it is and then you have such a high turnover that it's really difficult to kind of build core concepts for a team because you've got you come in your freshman year you play your sophomore year and in that time you'll have the sophomores that your sophomores from your freshman year will go out on placement so you'll come back in your sophomore year and the sophomores would have gone on placement and the seniors who were back would have graduated so it's your sophomore year is the only year that's still going to be there so it's really difficult to kind of build any core tactics to kind of implement any set plays or zones you're kind of starting from scratch every single year and then on top of that the way that the system is made you we don't have really any any funding especially for such a small small sport for like lacrosse so we don't really have any coaches so a lot of the time the elected captain is the coach of the team um and so sometimes 
if the captain isn't super knowledgeable, then it's going to set the team back because they're also acting as the coach. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it was such a great experience. And we, we were able, we were in the top league in the UK. So we were playing the highest caliber teams you could be playing, but it, it has such a high turnover and the lack of funding with the lack of coaching and the lack of knowledge around lacrosse in general just made it hard to play at the level that I wanted to be playing at um, other than international. So I feel like for that first year or two of my university career in the UK, a lot of, a lot of the training that was actually progressing me was the training that I was doing on my own outside of, of university training. And obviously you went on and transferred to the University of Albany. Uh, what made you want to come to North America and play in college lacrosse? And why was Albany sort of the right place for you to do that? Um, so just, I mean, obviously the difference between the standard in the UK and the US is just miles apart. Um, so I feel like for a lot of girls in the UK, if they want to play at a really high level of lacrosse, there's only so far that you can go in terms of the international setup, especially considering you have the Euros and you have the World Cup and those are the two major tournaments, but they come around every two years. So to be able to play a consistently high level of lacrosse, a lot of a lot of girls turn to kind of wanting to come to the States. And for me, that was definitely solidified when we came over and did the tour. Um, we were playing girls like five years younger than this and their teams were still trashing us. I was like, this is insane that it's on a completely different level. Um, so I think a part of me always really wanted to come over. And especially after that tour in the, in my junior year of high school, I really, really wanted to come over for my undergraduate degree. Um, but if I'm honest at the time, my parents weren't really on board with the idea of me going halfway across the world at age 18 and paying for school for four years. It's a, it's a lot more expensive over here than it is at home um, to do a university degree, especially because obviously there's different prices for kind of international, in-state and out-of-state. Um, so it kind of didn't work out at that time. I kind of considered taking a gap year and then my U19 World Cup was the 2019 World Cup in Ontario. Um, and so I considered taking a gap year and trying to get scouted at that World Cup. Um, but my teachers at school at the time kind of convinced me otherwise. They, they made me realize that's a lot of my future riding on a potential if I get scouted. Um, so I ended up just not taking a gap year, applying to Bath. And then in my second year, um, so my sophomore year, sorry, um, my uh, COVID hit. So I kind of wasn't really doing anything with my entire summer because UK was kind of in and out of lockdown. And I just knew that I feel like I had to kind of do what I wanted to do because it nothing was guaranteed. Like I just had my entire university career cut in half and it really wasn't the same after that in the UK. So I just kind of was like, I need to go for this. I need to kind of follow what I want to do. So that summer I just put together a promo reel and um, kind of a lacrosse resume and just basically emailed a load of coaches um, that had of schools that had degree programs that I would want to do for a master's. And by pure coincidence, I, the UAlbany coaches were actually the coaching staff of the Haudenosaunee coaches at the U19 World Cup. 
So I was kind of already on their radar and we got chatting and I just immediately clicked with them um, at talking about lacrosse and everything that comes with it and the style of play that you Albany played. I just thought it, it fit me perfectly. Um, and so, yeah, it was a crazy coincidence, but I've never looked back. And is there an adjustment playing lacrosse in Europe versus here in North America? I feel like you sort of touched on it a little bit, but I'm assuming going from the European lacrosse that you were playing, like you mentioned, then coming over here to North America uh, is sort of a big wake up call for someone like you, like sort of like having that. I'm just I think that I, I find that sort of interesting because I wouldn't know what that's like. So I'm just curious what it's like from your perspective. Yeah, no, it, it's a massive adjustment. I mean, just in terms of the sheer caliber of players, like it's on a complete other level. So that's definitely an adjustment you have to make. I mean, it, I feel like that's kind of the adjustment that all division one players have to make going from high school where you're playing constantly, you're playing every single game, every single minute, and then you go to college and all of these girls are just as good as you. I was kind of making that adjustment, but a hundred times over because I was going from kind of Honestly, some of the lacrosse I've watched, I was probably going from kind of grade nine skill wise over here straight to college. So it was definitely a massive adjustment to make. And I think that my involvement in international lacrosse helped with that in some ways. But in terms of like more specific adjustments, just the physicality of the game was massive, was a massive adjustment to make. I mean, in the UK, if you even make contact with somebody with your stick in a cross check position, it would be called. Whereas here, you can kind of make contact with somebody in that position and give them a bit of a shove and it's not you're going to get away with it. Um, and then on top of that, in the UK and obviously at international level, we play international rules. So we have 10 girls on a field at a time instead of 12. And then so in the attacking or the offensive or the defensive end, you're playing 6v6 instead of 7v7, which doesn't sound like a big difference, but that was honestly such a massive adjustment to make because the one person just makes the world of difference. It it made it seem so much more crowded. I remember the first few weeks I was at UAlbany and I was like, I'm just constantly in the way. I, I didn't know where to go because there was it seemed like there was so much less space on the field. Uh, but other than that, I think it, it was definitely the speed, obviously, the, the time that these girls have been playing. I mean, a lot of them have been playing for 10 years longer than me, even though they're two years younger. Um, so going from kind of a level where I'd started at the same time as other girls to a level where these girls have literally had a stick in their hands since they could walk they could just read the game and so they could push the game so much faster so that was a big adjustment to make to be able to keep up with that speed and that style of play so let's talk about your two years with the albany and sort of the success the team had uh first first question i have is you've played in the american east conference what was it like being a part of that conference just the competition that you faced each game yeah our conference i love our conference because i mean every game is competitive but each game we have to prepare extremely differently like we we get to see every kind of offense every kind of defense and i feel like that really sets us up for the rest of the season because we have our attack having to break down man defense zone defense backer defenses because the teams in our conference play all different kinds of sets um and it's the same on the defensive end so i think that the competition is really fierce but it's a great level where it's it's not 
it's not ridiculous it's not like we're getting blown out every game like the, each game is super competitive so we're we we still have that excitement going into every game knowing that we have to fight for it um instead of kind of being more on the side where you're either worrying about being too complacent or or not thinking that you have a chance like each game is definitely very well matched so going into that with a good mindset and just kind of preparing for those games it really sets us up for the rest of the season and you scored your first collegiate goal against colgate when you made your debut uh so you talked about the adjustment it seemed like it was a quick one looking at the stat sheet but <laughs> talk about that goal and sort of what it meant to you yeah i that game was amazing but i have never experienced anything like it we went to colgate and we were playing in a blizzard and it was like minus 15 degrees and i couldn't feel my feet and the coaches were like all right let's go let's get some subs going so i kind of hopped in the game it was that game was amazing because the spirits were so high and it was such a team win. I think we had so many different girls get their first collegiate goal that game. So I kind of just took the chance and capitalized it. I think I had a shooting space call and then just kind of got off the, the eight meter mark and we'd been practicing those loads in training. So I was I had the confidence to that one. So just put it away. Nice. Well, one thing I found interesting was how your team improved a lot between the 2022 and 2023 season, going from eight wins to over 12 wins. Uh, what would you say was the biggest thing that your team worked on in between both of those seasons to make that jump um, in your record? Yeah, so I think we had we had a very big turnover from the 2022 to 23 season. So there was a lot of spots to be filled. We had one of our leading defense defensive playmakers, Eliza, she graduated. So we knew that there was kind of spots open in the starting lineup. And we had some of our best goal scorers, um, Kat Sancilio, like had to graduate as well. And our starting goalie, um, Kath uh, Chiarella was also graduating. So we had a lot of players kind of leave and a lot of spaces open. And I think that that really just kicked in a lot of girls competitive drive to know that kind of they had a shot that year and it was a completely new year. So I think everyone just worked extremely hard over the summer and we kind of had these accountability groups. We held each other accountable to make sure everyone was was doing training and everyone was pushing themselves every day. Um, and in our exit meeting, I think the coaches told us we have to focus on stick work, coachability and fitness. And so those were the three major things that everyone made sure that we were focusing on over the summer was kind of getting our fitness up to a good level getting our stick work up to a good level and then just coming in completely open-minded. And I think that the coaches really did a great job of capitalizing on that and just implementing a lot of new things going forward. Now, individually, you improved a lot as well. What would you say was the biggest improvement that you made to your game during your time with you, Albany? Um, I think it was probably probably adjusting to that speed of of the game and just actually being able to kind of read one or two steps ahead rather than kind of struggling to even keep up with the pace that it's at i think defensively i came on a lot in terms of that um and just being able to kind of read what the offense was doing i think the speed of play when i first came in if i was in on defense i didn't have a chance to think let alone communicate with my players around me and then towards the end of this year i was kind of getting to the point where I could kind of read what was going on around me well enough to actually be able to communicate it to to my teammates. So I think definitely like adjusting to that speed of play was the biggest one for me. Now, this past season, your team won the American East Championship. 
what did that championship mean to you, especially as a graduate student, but also to the team as well? Yeah, this was, I mean, this was such a highlight of my entire time playing lacrosse, let alone just at UAlbany. So to be a part of that team and feeling the involvement of every single person who was a part of that team during that day and the lead up to the win. And then when that final whistle went off was just the most incredible feeling. And obviously, as you say, like being a graduating player, knowing that this is the last opportunity that you have to actually get that title just makes it mean a hundred times more. Um, so just focusing on each other and working for each other and being there for each other. I think that we really pulled through on the day and just everything came together and it was, it was a nail biter. Honestly, we didn't make it easy for ourselves. We were there until the last, the last few minutes, but there was some incredible plays on the field that just pulled off the win. And yeah, it was an amazing feeling. Hey, you wouldn't want it any other way, no matter what, the, win, <laughs> yeah. the way you win it. So, um, and then you went on and beat the number 12 team in the country in the NCAA tournament. Uh, just talk about that upset and what your team sort of learned in that game against Virginia. Yeah, that game was incredible. I honestly still pinch myself sometimes. Like, I don't think I quite believe it, but I feel like that's definitely like the biggest takeaway was just like the game is never over. I mean, I don't know if the listeners know, but we were, it was the second half and we were down by eight goals and we managed to come back and win the game. And we, I mean, I feel like we shocked so many people, but I feel like not a single person on the team had any doubt that we could pull that off. And I feel like that's one of the biggest things about lacrosse and about sport in general is just how unpredictable it can be. And it just makes it so amazing that you know that you can just never have to give up. I mean, we've learned that the hard way because we've been on the other end of it a lot of times over my time at UAlbany where we've had a comfortable win and the other team has come back to take it. And so we finally kind of took that and rolled with it and said, if other teams can do it, we can do it too. And there was just some amazing, I mean, Sarah put the entire team on her back to score a lot of goals to get us there, but it was a team wrap, team win all the way, all the way through. And it was just the most incredible comeback to have been a part of. Um, but I think that that's definitely the key takeaway is like never giving up on the game, especially lacrosse. I mean, it's just so fast paced. You say that about any sport, there's, there's so much unpredictability, unpredictability involved in it that you could come back from anything. But I think it's just even more um, important when you're playing lacrosse because it's so fast paced. You can score two goals in 30 seconds. So um, definitely like never giving up was definitely the takeaway of that one, I think. And just knowing that University of Albany can, can hang with the, the ranked teams. Uh, you team played your final collegiate game against Denver. Uh, what did you take away from that game from your perspective, knowing that it was your last one? And just uh, how would you, how do you sort of reflect on your career um, with the Albany? Even those two years, it felt like you accomplished a lot there and uh, had a pretty good time. Yeah, no, U Albany was the, it was probably the best two years of my life, hands down. It was such an incredible experience. And I mean, that game was kind of bittersweet and a bit of a double-edged sword because it's obviously hard to finish your season, get knocked out and know that that's it. And you don't have any more collegiate lacrosse left to play. Um, but it, especially when you've been winning for a portion of the game as well. I mean, that was kind of the, 
the annoying thing about that one is that you, when you have been winning for a portion of the game, you know deep down that there was a there was a shot like you could have won that game. But I think that it was bittersweet because Denver at the time when we played them were ranked number four, and we were an unranked team coming into this tournament that everyone thought was just going to get blown out in the first round. So to only have lost to Denver by two goals was such an incredible experience. And it really showed the world that like UAlbany is here to play and we can hang with the the top 10 teams. Um, so although it, it's obviously hard to kind of take that loss and know that you're done forever, it was definitely a really proud moment. And I was, I was proud of the team. I was proud of the coaches and just the entire setup that was involved with the success of our season. Um, it was it was a great note to end on. Uh, so we're now in a segment I like to call five questions that have nothing to do with lacrosse. And the goal of the segment is to hopefully get to know you a little bit more off the field and have some fun as well. So uh, first one is, if there was a movie made about your life, uh, who would you want to play yourself? This is a difficult one, but I feel as though it has to be a very short British actress. So... I mean, not famous enough whatsoever, but Amelia Clark would be really cool because she's short and she's British, so it kind of matches up. So Nice, nice. I would say for me, probably, um, I think Tom Cruise would be cool just because <laughs> I like a lot of his movies, but yeah. I feel like Andrew Garfield would probably be the best actor for me. Um, so I would say one of those two guys, even though I don't really look like them. Yeah, I don't look anything like Amelia Clark, that, that, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what music do you like to listen to as a percussionist uh i have a really eclectic mix of music that i listen to since coming over to america i have fallen in love with country (laughs) so wild because i never would have thought i liked it um but yeah definitely country i went to watch zach bryan in um new york and in albany i literally love that man so Definitely gotten more into country, but yeah, I still listen to everything. I like hip hop, rap. I like a lot of old school rock stuff. I like eighties. Um, so yeah, just all all different influences from friends and family growing up. I kind of listen to absolutely everything. So yeah, I'm the same way. I have a genre, I have a playlist for each genre of music. Same. Well, sort of whatever mood I'm into, I can just uh, go to that one. But yeah, I feel like many people in uh, the UK probably wouldn't understand country so that's pretty awesome that you like it yeah it's definitely not a thing over there i mean the only kind of country we have is is like the old like country kind of like country roads um and life is a highway and all of that stuff but none of the kind of like country pop that you guys have here or like folk country yeah yeah uh what is the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week so I'm currently reading a book called uh, all of my friends are making fun of me for it because they think I'm having an identity crisis now that I've left college, but it's called A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Um, but it basically follows a man and his journey through um, the concentration camps in Nazi Germany um, and kind of his spiritual journey and what he got out of that and how he came out the other side. So it sounds really depressing, but it's actually super uplifting. <laughs> I definitely got to check that out. That does sound yeah. pretty interesting. No, uh, it's for, for me, probably, uh, I've never watched tennis before. And I watched some of the Wimbledon final yesterday. Right. And that was pretty interesting. And I think it makes me feel bad because this kid's like the same age as me. And he's already like winning. 
Web I hate too. Yeah. So it makes me feel like I'm not doing anything with my life. <laughs> <laughs> that always happens to me. Watching the Olympics and they're like, oh yeah, this man's 21 years old and he only picked up the sport two years ago. And I'm just like, oh dear. <laughs> but who are you rooting for in the Wimbledon final? Uh, I was rooting for the guy because Djokovic won like the last five um, titles. So I wanted someone different. It was my yeah. first time really watching tennis. So that's sort of why I was trying to root for yeah. the quote unquote underdog, I guess. But I guess this guy was like the number one ranked guy. Uh, yeah. tennis player in the country so it wasn't really underdog but still pretty cool <laughs> yeah it was a good match i would say my favorite tennis player is that australian guy uh nick kygrios I, I hope i don't know if i'm pronouncing his last name right but he i like how he talks trash to all the other people i i, I think that's pretty badass so he's he's the guy i'm gonna root for but he was injured during wimbledon so i didn't get to see him play oh next year next year he'll be back uh, hopefully <laughs> um so i i want to ask you some of these questions Football or soccer? I know I call it soccer, but I feel like you might have rolled your eyes at me when I said that. Um, it's definitely football. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not soccer. So so it's football, and then your football we would call American football. All right, all right. Very confusing, but I feel like it's more easy to grasp than changing it completely. Yeah, I don't know. I I just call it soccer because I don't know. I will say though, if the U.S. ever wins the World Cup, we have to change the name to soccer. I think that's the new rule. When that day <laughs> comes, you can do it. But I think that's a long way off. I'm saying 2026. We're hosting the World Cup. That's a bold <laughs> statement. I think people underestimate how good our team is. I watched some of the games last World Cup. I've been starting to get into it a little bit. I think Pulisic is really good player. I don't know. I I think uh, we have a young scrappy bunch that could surprise a lot of people. Did you watch uh, the U.S. draw with Wales? I did. We, they should have won that game, but a tough uh, break by the defender. Sort of, uh, you guys capitalized on that, and good for you. So, and Gareth Bale's a beast. So I'm glad he got to score in the World Gareth Cup. Gareth Bale, <laughs> we love him. I'm such a Gareth Bale stan. I I welled up when that man retired. The man bun is iconic. Yeah. And he liked playing in the MLS in the U.S., so there's some sort yeah. of connection. I became a little bit of an LSA, LAFC fan for a little bit because Gareth Bale was over there. So yeah. I am slightly into American soccer, as you call yeah. it. Yeah. I think Messi coming here, maybe I will change that or help it grow a little bit. But yeah. who's like your uh, favorite like club team to root for? I'm assuming it's like a team in Wales that I probably haven't heard of. No, so I mean, we really don't have that many teams um, oh, okay. in the Premier League in Wales. We we have a lot in the lower down leagues, uh, like the Champions League and thing. Uh, but so my dad supported Man United growing up, so I was always kind of a Man United fan. I wasn't like massively invested because I didn't really know why we supported them. They were so far away. But as I said, I went to boarding school in Wales, and two of my house parents actually ended up taking a job after they were at Habs to go up and be house parents for the academy players of Man City. So I'm now a Man City fan because I told them when they went up there, I'd become a Man City fan. So, I mean, it was a great year to be a Man City fan. They won the triple this year, so not a bad team to support. Well, I'm starting to get into uh, club soccer a little bit. I found my okay. team, Chelsea. I don't know if that's a no. tough team to root for. But I feel like it's good because they have a chance to win. They have a lot of money, but they've sort of been struggling recently. So I feel like it's a good time to get on because it's not really a bandwagon like team to support. Yeah. That's sort yeah, of why it shows Yeah, you kind of sneak on before mm -hmm. it becomes a bandwagon. Yeah, yeah, I like that. No, some of my friends from home are massive Chelsea fans. So 
I'll allow it. All right, but all right. Man City would be the better choice. I'm just gonna put that. I, I can't choose the best team in the <laughs> That's that's ridiculous. I want to I want to have a little. You gotta. It's it's fun when you sort of you know the roller coaster of a season. Yeah. Bit, so. You, you got to go through the tears before you can enjoy it. And there's really not many American players that play in the Premier League, so it's sort of like that's sort of why I got I I really couldn't base it off of any of that the, that yeah. as well. Yeah, that was like me coming over here. I mean, the kind of no affiliation to any mm -hmm. sort of team. So, kind of choosing the teams that I've been supporting has been an interesting one because it's kind of just been as and when. So, I mean, NFL team. I support the Jets because um, my teammate Sweeney, her dad, played for the Jets. Um, oh, that's awesome. And I spent my first Thanksgiving in the U.S. with them, and he taught me how to throw a football. So I was like, all right, I, I guess I'm a Jets fan now. All right. So. I'm a big Patriots fan, so I, I understand how you felt. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Madison. It's tough, but uh, we'll see what happens uh, this year, so, especially with Rodgers coming. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what's one thing about America that you don't get? That I don't get? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Am I going to be absolutely pilloried for what I say? i got to think about a PC answer. <laughs> I think, I, I mean, it's... Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't get about the US, honestly. I could give you a list. I'll pick a few. <laughs> I think probably the culture of driving everywhere is one thing that I can't get on board with. I'm a big walker in the UK. We kind of, if you were saying that you wanted to go somewhere after being with your friends and it was kind of less than a 35, 40 minute walk, you would walk. But here, if it's like a five minute walk, we're hopping in the car, which is just so weird to me. But um, other than that, I think probably, probably the spellings mm -hmm. and the pronunciations. I mean, I get made fun of all the time for some of the words I say, like aluminium and <laughs> all of that funny stuff. So I guess just the accents, but I guess over here, you guys don't have the accents I do, so I'll have to let those ones slide. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah. I do find the accent, you know, probably if I went over there, I'd find the accents funny, so. Yeah. I, I, I think it's kind of cool, though. I don't know why people hate on it, personally. So. <laughs> I would say the most strange thing about the UK to me is how you guys drive on the other side of the road. I, I think that's oh, very yeah. odd. So I'd say that's that's it for me. That's a good one. I'm. It's funny because I've driven here and I always get that comment. Everyone's like, well, as long as you don't drive on the wrong side of the road. And I'm like, it's really not that difficult. Like, you're not going to drive on the left hand side when you see all the cars on the right hand side driving towards you. Like, you'll be OK. But yeah, it's definitely a, a hard one to get your head around. I think Ted Lasso does a good job sort of explaining Such the American a good job about like some of the yes. weird stuff that happens in England. And it, they do it in a funny way too. So that's yeah. sort of how I feel about it sometimes. Yeah. I'd never heard of that show before I came over here and then people told me about it and I binged it. <laughs> I love that show so much yeah. and all of the little different words that were happening. I mean, that's why I got told so many times that I need to watch it is because I'd be going to, training obviously what you guys call practice and i'd be calling it the pitch and everyone would be calling it the field i'd be asking for my boots and nobody would know what i mean <laughs> yeah. so yeah all of that stuff they touch on is just so to a t like in the last i think it's the final episode have you seen the new season i have not oh okay well um she the boss says half nine and he's so confused and he's like why do why do english people say that and the amount of people who've asked me that and i just don't have an answer and she just sarcastically turns around and it's like i don't know 
probably just to piss Americans off. And I was yeah. like, that's brilliant. I'm going to use that now. Yeah. Well, the funny part about it was there used to be a commercial spot for Premier League in the U.S. And that's sort of made into a TV show. And they did one with Tottenham. And that was when Bale was with Tottenham. And they're like, um, where's he from? Wales. Is that a country? <laughs> yes or no? How many countries are in this country for? And I thought that was one of the funniest things uh, in that yeah. commercial spot. So. Yeah, that's that's spot on, honestly. I, not a lot of people over here even knew that Wales was its own country. Everyone would ask me if Wales was in England. So that was definitely a funny one to have to explain time and time again. Yeah, I feel bad because everyone thinks Ireland's its own country and Scotland too. So I feel like Wales gets sort of left out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, Wales is probably definitely the, the lesser known out of the four, but yeah, so... I'd get a lot of people asking me if it was in England and it would get to a point sometimes where I'd just be like, yeah. <laughs> now, who has the best style on the UAlbany women's lacrosse team? I think you do, Madison, but outside <laughs> yourself, uh, who would you say has it? Um, I think day-to-day, -day, Sydney Smith rocks up to the locker room with some absolute fits. But I think if we're going for like some nicer occasions, one of my roommates, uh, housemates, uh, Lexi Driscoll, I steal a lot of her clothes. So I, I rate Lexi's clothes as well. Now, what is one uh, item on? Sorry, rate means like I, I think highly of it. I've realized that that isn't a thing that you guys say. <laughs> it's okay. It's all good. I'm learning. So that's, I, I, I'm happy about that. What is one item on your bucket list that you would like to do one day? Uh, for me, sort of um, travel a little bit. I'd like to actually go to Ireland. That looks like a lot of fun. But also the West Coast of North America and Canada seems super fun as well. So I would like to go to some of those places one day. What about you? Yeah, I definitely want to travel a bit more, especially while I'm still over here. I want to see a few more different states. I want to... This is going to sound really touristy and cliche, but I do really want to see the Grand Canyon. I think that's really cool. Um, and I I think some of the other places on my bucket list is like Bali, which is kind of close to New Zealand. But I'm terrified of flying. So it's like yeah. a 24-hour flight. So I've been putting that one off. So maybe I'll check it off one day. I definitely also want to overcome my fear of sharks. And I want to do it by swimming with them. And oh, I, wow. I, don't know if, I don't know if that's a terrible idea or whether it's going to work, but I'll, I guess I'll find out one day. I feel like you got to put some safety precautions because I feel like everyone that went in that submarine to see the Titanic probably felt <laughs> the same way. And they obviously and didn't really work that well. So I feel you got to I would like my advice would just be like, get figure out some safety precautions. Yeah, a little cage that. maybe. But then yeah, exactly. the other day I watched 46 uh, meters down or whatever the film is where they go down in the cage and then the cage breaks and all of the yeah. sharks are getting them. So maybe not. Maybe we'll check that one off the bucket list, but we'll see if I'm feeling brave. I know you got some Canadian teammates. You don't want to go up there and uh, see them. Uh, no, I definitely. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely want to go up to Canada. But I mean, in terms of kind of seeing countries that I've never been to, because obviously mm -hmm. I went to Canada for the World Cup. So I've seen a little a little bit of it. I obviously haven't seen I, I would want to go to Toronto. My parents came to that tournament and went to Toronto without me on my rest day. So that was a stab. Wow. So seeing seeing some cities, I think in in Canada would be nice. But yeah, I was just thinking of the ones that I hadn't been to. Toronto so, would be sorry, cool. Sorry, Brian. Sorry, Max. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Sean Lee. I definitely want to go see Canada. <laughs> oh, for sure. I definitely want to go there too. So, 
Uh, getting back to some more questions now before we end this interview, um, what's been done to help grow women's lacrosse your, from your perspective? I feel like growing it to different areas is super important. Uh, do you think uh, it's getting there or do we have some work to do to make that happen? I think it's definitely come a long way, but it's, it's definitely something that can still be improved. I think obviously it's, it's, I, it's always said that it's the fastest growing sport in America. Right? So I don't know, I don't know the facts behind that, but I, I'd believe it. But I, just, I think we could do some work to get it to that point in other countries. I feel like if we ever want to see lacrosse in the Olympics, it definitely needs to come a long way in other countries, not just kind of the... Oh, sorry about that. No, you're good. <laughs> um, the definitely like work to do in other countries other than kind of the top four that are always in kind of the gold medal and the bronze medal playoffs. Um, so just really kind of building on that. I think that... One of the things that was for me the coolest experience was my coach at school set up a coaching clinic with Jen Adams when she was in the UK at one point and she actually taught me like a riser shot and it was just the coolest thing of play is just so different in those countries that are insane at lacrosse so definitely kind of getting more connections going from the the side of it where you've kind of got these these women over here who girls in like the UK and Europe look up to as celebrities because we see them on TV and we don't get that kind of coverage or that kind of funding. Um, so getting kind of connections going with them and setting up clinics and maybe um, opportunities to talk to them on Zoom and interviews and things like that, I definitely think would go a long way for kind of curbing that, uh, curbing it uh accelerating that interest um from young girls and boys overseas so yeah i, I totally agree with you on that i think it'll be a lot of fun and obviously what you're doing is inspiring a lot of people where you're from so hopefully um hopefully maybe by someone watching you play collegiately will help them sort of inspire them to get to where you are today and that just helps the sport grow as well yeah definitely well any shout outs you want to give to your teammates, family members or friends and who should we have on the podcast next? I want to I want to interview more people from uh, the UK. So if there's anyone else from the UK that plays college lacrosse, uh, let me know. I'd love to talk to them. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously anyone from New Albany would be a great one to interview. I love all my teammates, um, but um, I've, I have a teammate from Wales across who goes to Virginia Tech now uh, called Millie Hurt. She'd be a great one to have. Her accent is going to be hilarious because she's from, she's from up north in, Amer in England. So her accent is very different to mine. So that would be an interesting one trying to see, decipher what she's saying. <laughs> but um, Millie would be a great one. There's a few other girls who've come over and are playing kind of uh, college lacrosse as well. Um, can't think of their names off the top of my head but um yeah millie would be a great one to be on awesome well i want to say thank you so much madison for coming on the podcast i really appreciate your time it means so much to myself i can't wait to see what's up next in your future endeavors i know you're going to do great whatever you decide to do and uh i'm a communications major as well so maybe we'll run into each other at some point um in the awesome, near future yeah. which will be a lot of fun but you're a great player great person and thank you so much for doing this for me it means a lot and uh yeah I'm ex i really enjoyed getting the chance to talk with you uh, for yeah the last thank hour. you so much let me know if there's anything else i can do yeah